This is Debbie Q, and you're listening to The Right Show. Right now, yes, I'm trying a new intro. I don't know because I'm so nuts about changing anything. We'll work on it. We'll get through it together. Also, the business end, which I always like to start with and get out of the way, as always, for Carolyn Kingian's poetry book, Before the Big Bang Makes a Sound, and it is great. And Before the Big Bang Makes a Sound is available to you at all Amazon and Barnes & Noble bookstores and a few Brooklyn-based bookstores as well. Yes, there are still some mom-and-pop bookstores left in this planet. It's amazing. But let's move forth. Also, I'd like to welcome... Beware the Quiet Ones. They It is a new podcast, Pennsylvania-based. Beware the Quiet Ones. I'm giving them a shout-out. Of course, as always, Murder at Bedtime with Lyndon, which is outstanding. His podcasts are just amazing. I'm going to have him on the show one day. We're going to do a mashup, but I have to figure out which one to mash up with. I don't even know if the next one that I'm doing today would be considered true crime. It depends on who you are, how you would look at this. Also, we have Grizzly Books. Always give a shout out to Grizzly Books. Grizzly underscore books. The information she has on Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, it's outstanding. Very, very good. So check out this podcast. Let's move because I don't want to, because it's my first time taping under all this new equipment, I want to make sure it's okay. Regardless, this is, I I have things in the works, but today we're going to be talking about the death of Tyrone Taylor. Who is Tyrone Taylor, you ask? He was the husband of Keisha Jones, who they resided in West Philadelphia. Keisha Jones was now what happened was she killed Tyrone Taylor. It was one night they were driving home and something horrible happened. So I'm going to take it from the beginning. Let's roll it from the top and go from there. I'll just tell the story because this story to me, when I, okay, the right shoe is a podcast about all things strange and unusual. Now, especially in reference to death, but also it focuses on the strange and unusual. Now, the right shoe is named because there has been a lot of famous cases that the one, Kurt Sova is a big one. It's a big unsolved mysteries case. Robert Stack, unsolved mysteries. And can I preface this by saying that Bill Curtis is not the narrator of Forensic Files. It's Peter Thomas. I see this mistake glaringly in a lot of posts, and it drives me crazy. Peter Thomas was the narrator for Forensic Files, not Bill Curtis, who is fabulous in his own right, yes, but please. I see that all the time, and it it makes me nuts. But um. So there was a famous case about this guy named Kurt Sova who he was drunk, he wandered off, he he was found dead, and his right shoe was never found. Well, same with Eugene Covet, and it was in that same ravine 
they Kurt Sova was found. So then the first podcast I ever did was about Matthew Larson. And he was a young man who was otherwise known as Pipus the Wise. He was out one night. I think he was going to the Kelpius Cave where he was to film a documentary there. He had just been paid some money from uh, ABC Science. Something about ABC, their ABC, some sort of division of ABC. But he was given like some like nice amount of money to tape a documentary. And he chose Kelpius Cave, but he became obsessed with Kelpius Cave. And he actually died one night. They originally thought it was a homicide, but homicide went. And it wasn't a homicide. I just happened to be there at the time. I, people often ask me that. How do you know this? Because it was there was a lot of misinformation about the way he died. He did not. He 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 did not make it to Kelpie's Cave. He was at the Lemon Hill Mansion when he was on a bunch of shipping containers. He had gotten scared. I don't. You'd have to listen to. I can't tell the entire story again. But the point is, is he fell, and they they didn't. They thought it might have been a homicide. When it was first called in, they they turned out it wasn't. It was not a homicide, but they never found his right shoe, so that's why I named the right shoe the right shoe. Let's go to the Keisha Jones case. This is the featured case of today, and yes, I'm going to weave in stories of my own with this Keisha Jones case because it's important. It it really does fit with. What I, I, I do have sympathy for Keisha Jones, uh, an immense amount of sympathy because I see myself in her and, and things that I did, stupid things that I did that fortunately I woke up from the next morning and though I remembered it and thought to myself, Oh my God, how am I going to look at people in the face? I, I, I behaved so irrationally. But, uh, you know, it. what happened this night, she couldn't just wake up and be embarrassed and have it go away. She got in trouble for this. But there's a lot of other things like the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and their legal system, which I'm not entirely sure why she was charged with certain things. So we'll get into that, all of that. Let's start out. Keisha Jones was born February 24th, 1981. She had been born to a woman, Allison Jones. And Allison Jones had her at a very young stage in her life. Allison Jones actually had her. I think she was 15. But she said because they were so close in age, they were they they became best friends. Their relationship was tight. Tight as can be. They really, you could tell the love when the mom talks about her. I was actually watching a Snapped episode. And if you want to see that, it's it's a quite an old one. It's from season 10. It's the Keisha Jones story. It's, it's a shame because th- this does provide a lot of information. I just had to look up a lot of information about the court itself. 
There's a UJS portal on, that's literally the name, UJSportal.com. And that will take you to any, I think, it definitely Philadelphia, but I think any Philadelphia case, you can look up the court documents to that case through the UJS portal. See, this is going to pick up sirens from 90 blocks away. That's what I'm worried about this microphone because I got a lot of action out here. I'm trying to make this soundproof in here. So, Allison Jones, uh, she's her mother, and they're very close. That She was a wonderful person by all accounts, Keisha Jones. She grew up. She took care of her kids. She took care of her sisters. And I I think it, it didn't really go. It just said she had siblings. The one was on this Snapped episode. But she was so much younger than her. So it seems like, you know, but she, she said she was like our mom because her mom had to work and stuff. Kiara Allen is the sister of Keisha Jones. She was on there a lot and she, she was a supporter of Keisha Jones because this was a heavily divided case. Keisha grew up with very close to her her mom and she was very close to her sisters but at age 15 or 16 she did come home to her mom and say look I got pregnant but it wasn't like oh my god you got pregnant because I feel like when it happens in a family at a young age for the mother it does tend to have you know unless that girl makes a conscious decision that she's not going to get pregnant early it it tends to repeat itself but it's not necessarily a bad thing all the time because in this instance her mom was very happy that she was having the baby so they all came together they all it was just like a big happy family james hayes was her first husband so they had the child together and they were going through the motions you know of raising the child their relationship wasn't bad but I think because they were so young, after a couple years, and it wasn't like they just got together. I mean, James Hayes seems like a really good guy. He was on, he was he was very defensive of his ex, saying that what a good mother she was and how I can't believe this happened. So he was supportive of Keisha. He said that she had married, she had met Tyrone Taylor when they after they broke up and he said he was actually a little jealous because their relationship was so good uh hers and taylor's you know and and but they still all became they all watched each other's kids i believe james hayes watched tyrone taylor's kids they they thought it, they talked about disciplining the children together there was no animosity there was no hate there was no foundation of anger there which is another very very important part to this case because of something that happens further down that really shocked me and and this really did not bode well for Keisha Jones and and I'm still surprised one night in the police station a call comes through and I believe Joe Bambersky one of the one of the officers got it. it it came in kind of as a routine pedestrian hit at first but when they arrived on the scene what they saw was shocking there was a woman down on her knees cradling 
this gentleman who, through all intents and purposes, was already passed away. But I don't think she realized that at the time. And, you know, obviously it turns out that the people in this image were Keisha Jones and Tyrone Taylor. The cops come and they figure, what happened? You know, this looks, and I did go down there today. I took pictures of the corner. I took picture of exactly where, God rest in peace, Tyrone Taylor lost his life. I mean, that's dreadful. And I cannot imagine the family, they probably can't even stand these going over because actually on that one TV episode, I did not see any of the Taylor family, but I get it. I get it. That's something you wouldn't want to relive. And they, oh, that's rough. So she's screaming and they go and they bring her in and she says, yeah, her and her cousin, her cousin Tamara Stanford was in the back when this all happened. Now, they ask both of them. They they pull both of them in. And I don't think still at this point, uh, Keisha knew that Tyrone had died. But he did. And she was a mess. And then Bambersky, Officer Bambersky, had to tell her that he died as a result of his injuries of the SUV being driven at this point by Keisha had crushed him into a wall. And what she said was happening. They had gotten into a fight. They were at a bar that night. They came out, got into a fight. They were driving either home or their home was in West Philly. They were in South Philly when this happened. It was the 2400 block of Morris Street. And that is a weird, that's a weird place. It literally, like, before you get to the location, there is all these, there's almost like this long trestle. It's just one stop sign after another. It almost looks like you're under the L, but you're not under the L anymore. You're just under these. It's so confusing. It's a very difficult, because when you got, you got to snake around these. I, I, I'll, I have pictures. I'll, Put on the website, therightshoepodcast.com, to show you just how confusing it is driving under these things, like these concrete structures. And then you have to veer off. And right when she veer off, there comes Morris Street. And she must have driven down. But I, I am still baffled by so many things. And it's a, the one part that baffles me is the little one second that her life was literally ruined. One second is all it takes. One second. That's why I picked this case to do. I just cannot get over in that split second. It just, everything changed. And I've been there. So this is what, you know, this, I'm going to backtrack and tell you the whole story, but this is what's going on so far. She's in the police district. She's telling them that she was, they were drinking and he was driving. Then he got out of the car. So she took the wheel. Her feet became, she had very high heels on. She, she's apparently, uh, not tall in stature. She's a short woman and she wears high heels and her heels got stuck. And when she went to, she put her foot on the gas instead of the brake and they became entangled, and that's what happened. And she hit her husband, and he died. 
Now, the cops at first were like, okay, you know, that sounds, you know, the, the cousin cooperated this. Everything was dandy. And then came the camera. There was a camera. I, when we went down and just took a picture, there was like two cameras, city cameras. I don't think those city cameras were there at the time. But there is a deli, and then there's another pizza joint, both in, you know, two, there, it's right there. It's right in front of that wall, the little structure where she had hit Tyrone. So it was all right there in this little square. So that was all fine and good. You know, they said that the stories were corroborating and all this, and she probably would have just got some sort of manslaughter under the influence uh, and there is another case that matches this. It was a case in Florida, and her name was Betty J. Fowler. She got DUI manslaughter. But man, I'll tell you, this case, I, I had to compare the two because they were very similar. They were out one night. They had gotten into a fight. Billy Joe Fowler and her brother and her sister-in-law went out, Teresa Fowler was killed when Betty Jo Fowler was behind the wheel. But in this instance, she had hit Teresa Fowler and her brother at the same time. Then she backed up and she went after Teresa Fowler. And this is in a video. And this video is far more brutal than the one of Keisha Jones. And yet she only got 12 years DUI manslaughter. So that was where, but see, that was Florida. I think PA, the way they charge people is a little different. So let's go into the actual crime. So we back up and they get these images on the uh, camera. And it does show a, a horrifying incident. It, it shows them slow down it shows tyrone taylor getting out of the car and then it shows the car literally like making a hard on the film it would be a hard left but the way she was coming it, the car just swerves at a 90 degree angle literally grabs tyrone he is on the hood and then Bam, it, it goes right into that wall, killing him instantly. And it is a horrific looking, I mean, that camera angle, they really got it. And it, it's disturbing. So you have to figure, well, you know, then they got to bring her back and say, what happened? So they go in, they get Keisha Jones and they get her cousin, Tamara Stanford. They question, you know, again, like what happened? Apparently that night, Keisha and Tamara Stanford, they went out to a bar and they were going to meet up with Tyrone Taylor later on. Now they were drinking. She did a lot of shots. He did a lot of shots. Their two lawyers were Richard DeCipio and Charles Peruto, both extremely competent attorneys. And, and both of them I mean, even Bambarski, they nailed it. Like, what they think happened is, you know, they she got drunk. They got into a fight. It was like a crime of instant passion, so to speak, because they were, 
they got into the car, they were fighting from the get-go. There were, you know, Tamara in the back seat said they were fighting because Tyrone accused her of flirting with this guy. There was some guy and she was talking to him. And there was a reporter who said that her exact words were, I was dealing with him and he was dealing with her, you know, another girl. So they both had their, but they were drunk. They were flirting, but he accused her of cheating. So when they were in that car, she said, get the hell out of the car. And he said, okay. And he got out. Now, it brings me back to when I was in South Philly. I had a birthday party. Or not a birthday party. I had a, I, it was my birthday coming up. And I was, I, at the time, I was young. I was seeing two different guys. And the one guy's name was Kenny. The other guy's name was Gene. They both bought me tickets to you 2 both at different times, which was amazing. Went to the U2 concert with Gene, had a freaking fantastic time. Went to the concert with Kenny, had a horrible time. What happened was when we were in the car, we got into some kind of fight. I was drunk and I said, let me out here. And I got out of the car, but I didn't really want him to leave. He left me there in South Philly. And I had to, I had to find these two guys from Scranton to get a ride home that night. It was unbelievable. But that little tidbit is just to show you, yes, it does happen. You get out of the car and do stupid shit that you really don't plan on doing or say things that, you, you know, and I can imagine Keisha Jones saying to Tyrone, get out of the car, but not really wanting him to get out of the car, but he did. So, of course, in that state of mind, she's going to be furious. Go after him. But in this instance, there was a wall and from now, even when I look at this video, it appears that you can see the, the car come up. You see him jump out of the car and then you see, you do see her swerving and picking him up with the car. And then he's on the hood of the car and then bam, right into the wall. Now the prosecutors are saying, oh, that shows premeditation on her part that she wanted to kill him. But if she had truly gotten her feet tangled, it does actually look like the car just kind of was like jerked so quickly around that it caused it. But I don't know. When I did talk to Homicide about this case, they were like, nah, that case, that's a clear cut issue of first degree murder. But I still, I, I am with her attorneys on this because Decipio and Peruto, they both say this should have been a manslaughter case. And I am talking with my head, not my heart. If I was Tyrone Taylor's family, I would absolutely be furious and totally agree with what happened because you want that person to pay. There's no, never me saying that the family of the victim is wrong ever. I'm looking at this from purely a legal standpoint in the fact that I can't believe in the state of Pennsylvania that not only did they charge her with first degree murder and not DUI manslaughter, but I don't know if they have that again. You know, that, that Betty Fowler case happened in Florida and she only got 12 years. So I do believe that this was a case of manslaughter, but I guess they don't have that in the state of Pennsylvania, especially Philadelphia. 
Peruto, her lawyer, said the district attorney is always going to go for the for the throat with the first degree murder because they want you to plead down. And what they had given her access to was third degree murder, which this is the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. First degree means you have the intent to kill the person. Third degree murder means you had the intent to injure somebody, but it came out murder. Which I, I don't get the, the, I'm telling you, this legal mumbo jumbo is why, why our courts are so messed up. It, common sense doesn't prevail. It, it's who, who, what lawyer can make the most of any given thing? Because that's ridiculous. I mean, come on. The third degree murder thing. I, I just don't, whatever. That's what it means. It's third degree is to intend to injure, but you wind up killing. So they offered her that, but she was like, no way. She had kids and she said, you know, to, to Scipio, Rich, I can't, I can't be away from my kids for 10 years. I won't see them. They won't have a mother. He said, I fully understood and I brought forth to the jury. If you convict her of first degree murder, which that was on the table because she refused to take the third degree murder deal, which would have been 15, like 10, 15, she wouldn't take that. So when Rich, he said, I put forth to the, the jury, do, do you believe in your heart that she wanted him to die? That's her husband. I, it doesn't seem like they had this horrible relationship. And I never knew that premeditation in Pennsylvania meant, I thought it meant planning. It doesn't. Premeditation is in that second you wanted that person to die. But who, when you're drunk and pissed off at your boyfriend who just got out of the car, who isn't wanting to kill that mother effer? That's what you think. I know me. If I was fighting with my man and we were driving him drunk one night and I said, get out of the car and he got out of the car, I I would flip. I would flip. But I don't know if I would stop the car and get out of the car. I don't know. I just, you know, it happens. It happens. This, I know, was an accident, but it became so involved and it became so horrific because she killed him. And that is why this case grabbed me. It was one second and she ruined her life for a one drunken decision. Her alcohol level was 0 0.110, which is, they said it was like a tenth over, I believe. I can never read those things properly. I know 0.8 is the legal limit. So this was like, they, they gave the quantitative analysis of it, but they did say, went over and over that they, they have, they went over to see what your blood alcohol level means at this point, that point, the other point. And yeah, she was in the zone where her motor skills were completely impaired. So that's why this case, I just don't understand to give that first degree murder. I mean, Oh gosh. I mean, do you really think she intended to kill him? I'm just very surprised she did not get man, you know, uh, the, even the option of manslaughter. It's first degree or nothing. Or, and she did not take the third degree deal. That kind of screwed it up. So they, they go, they're in the courtroom. And, and you know, Decipio said, I just knew it was going to be bad. 
because of that tape. But there was something else that made it even worse. And that was her cousin who was in the car that night with them in the back seat. She testified for the prosecution. And that is heavy. That's a member of her family who sitting in the back seat saw what happened and apparently was so traumatized by what she saw that she went for the prosecution. So you have a family member testifying against you and you have that tape and that tape was brutal. And they, the, the lawyers knew they said when they saw that tape, they just realized how bad it was. So they go to trial. And again, I mean, that's Tamara's right. And and also, I, I even looked into the fact sometimes when there's somebody who has maybe a few priors, they'll grab them, the DA, and they'll say, hey, if you testify, we'll, we'll knock off some prior. You know, there's all kind of deals made. Her cousin didn't have, she was squeaky clean. I mean, she testified that that's how she felt. That That's bad. That means that you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around, okay, they're in the car. She starts, they're, they're driving. She tells him to get out of the car, which he complies. He starts walking because his parents didn't live too far. They're in South Philly. And she takes that car and she says her feet got tangled and she tried to put her foot on the brake, but it was the gas. I'll be honest with you, it, I could... It doesn't seem that far from the truth when I, from what I can see, but I think the fact that he was on the hood of the car and then it smashed into that wall, it just looked terrible. It, it the, the look was bad. And I, I don't think George could get past that fact or the fact that her cousin did testify against her. That is her right, and I don't... Hey, I, I'm not... I am not judge. I don't judge anybody ever that there's two sides and I would love to talk to her. I would love to talk to Keisha Jones. I would love to talk to Keisha Jones. So I just really would like to ask her a couple of questions. Although I have to say when I went onto that UJS portal, her lawyers did, they didn't appeal. And it went through. It had to have gone through because it doesn't say life anymore. It said 15 to 30. So he had to have got that knocked down. It does not say life anymore in that UJS portal. So the appeal process did work. This is a shitty situation that happened. This case scares me to death because I know I don't drink anymore at all. But just when I was younger, all the stuff I did, I think... You know, things that I've done in the past never turned out this way because they easily could have, trust me. So she was scared. And when the court came through and she was had been in jail for a year waiting for the preliminary hearing for murder, first degree murder. I, I don't believe there's bail in Philadelphia. So she had to wait for the year and she was very nervous. She wanted to see her children. Decipio was very sympathetic about her being a mother, very good mother to her kids. When they, the day of the verdict was read, she was anxious as everybody else. But Decipio, you can tell, was shocked when they come forth with the first degree murder. And the judge had to give a mandatory life sentence. So she's hysterical. She just kept yelling, my kids, my kids, my kids, what am I going to do? 
So they, I mean, and even now, even if they did knock it down to 15 and 30, yes, she's going to get out. And I guess even the youngest, I think at the time the youngest was four. So you figure it's still going to be 20 years old minimum if, if, if she gets out exactly 15 years. So that's not, that stinks for her, for, for just that issue for her being the mother of the children. So she was crying and then she was led away. And apparently when the, the, cause it was a very much divided courtroom. Keisha was on one side, the Taylor family was on the other. And in fact, when she walked in, the Taylor family was like screaming. They were, they were screaming obscenities at her. They were pissed. So the courtroom was very much divided. They weren't, you know, inter- I don't see any interviews with them. They, Probably it's probably very hard for them to get past this. But the one thing that stuck with me is when they were in the courtroom, the dad, Tyrone Taylor's dad, some of the family of Tyrone Taylor started clapping that she had gotten first degree murder and everything. And Tyrone Taylor's dad put up his hand, said, no, there will be none of that. Because not only, you know, I might agree with the verdict, but my son is still dead and the kids have no mother. So that's true. I mean, you know, that is a very ambiguous situation to be in that you were happy with the outcome, but yet sucks all the way around. I mean, Tyrone Taylor's dead. Keisha Jones is in jail. The kids have no mother. They, I think the dad of Tyrone Taylor got custody of the children who are grown now. You know, I wanted to go through that case with you guys. This is the first case with my new equipment, so you got to bear with me. I am. It's going to grow. We're growing. We're growing. And with all growth is painful change. So bear with me. This is Debbie Q, and you're listening to The Right Show. That doesn't match. <laughs> Come on, I got something funky. to where it used to be. Oh. Uh, oh. 
I'm trying to figure out what sound to send it with. I'll get there. This is Debbie Q and you're listening to The Right Show. Q and you listen to Yes, the Right Shoe. You haven't got swayed the wrong way. You're not in the wrong zone. And this mic is driving me insane. Hello. 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 Hi. Hey. This is Debbie Q and you're listening to The Right Shoe. The Right Shoe is a podcast. I don't know where the fuck that's. I don't know. This is Debbie Q, and you're listening to The Right Shoe. The Right Shoe is a podcast about all things strange and unusual, especially when it references a death. This is going to make me crazy. I got to find a way that I got the microphone. I I feel like I can hear my blood curdling. Maybe I don't need that. And this is Debbie Shoe fucking around with my microphone. I think I like it like this, but I'm not sure. How do I sound? Tonight we're going to talk about the death of Tyrone Taylor. He was killed by his wife, Keisha Jones. What happened that night? It's a mystery. So get ready. Get set. And let's rock. <laughs> 